The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, the grain markets did their best to follow through on Monday's gains with a continued rally on Tuesday. How much did we gain or not? We're going to talk about it here today on Market Talk. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, coming to you live from Houston, Texas. Commodity Classic gets underway here this week. We are looking forward to a great week here uh, in Houston We'll be broadcasting the show live with the National Corn Growers Association coming up on Thursday and Friday on the trade show floor. That is going to be a great time. And uh, if you're going to be here at Commodity Classic, make sure to swing on by from 2 to 3 Central Time, booth 7405 on Thursday and Friday as we talk with our friends at NCGA. Also, we're going to have other shows coming up here throughout the week today, of course, and tomorrow broadcasting live from the George R. Brown Convention Center here in Houston, Texas. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk with Jacob Burks from agmarket.net. He is already here in Houston for Commodity Classic this week. We're going to get his thoughts on this uh, market trade action. Grains doing their best to try and extend the rally on Tuesday from what we saw on Monday's session, but uh, did we kind of lose steam there at the end of the day? It, it kind of felt like that to some degree uh, around midday. We're going to talk about it coming up with Jacob Burks here in just a little bit. He's going to join us live here on the show. I'll also have a look at some news headlines coming up here at the end of the program. Got some comments on the latest cattle on feed numbers from Dr. Daryl Peel from Oklahoma State University. We'll get to that story and more coming up here in segment four today. First up, though, let's get some market analysis with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, joining us here on the day today as we uh, talked with him just uh, right around the noon hour for our midday commentary. And right now, Arlen joins us and gives us his thoughts, of what he's watching throughout the grain trade as well as the livestock trade, outside markets and more. Here is Arlen Suderman with StoneX. Yeah, we love the rallies when they happen, but unfortunately, we don't have a lot of fundamental support behind them. This has largely been created once again, as we've seen previously, where you make new lows, you get oversold in the markets, offensive built massive short positions. Everyone gets nervous thinking what a headline could cause a short covering rally. They start to take some profits on their short positions. End users step in and get a little bit of coverage. You get this rally, the algos trade the momentum to the upside, then it all kind of falls apart once again because it lacks fundamental support. So that seems to be, once again, the cycle we're in right now. We are seeing a little bit more strength continue in the wheat market, and we've seen that previously. That didn't mean that we could hold those lows, unfortunately, or those the, the strength of the rally. It just meant that it was a bigger rally to be sold. Um, but uh, so far, the grain and oilseed markets, as we speak, are still in the green, but corn and soybeans are having trouble holding it there. Well, and to your point, uh, looking at just a, a lack of fundamentals here, I know a lot of folks have been waiting for some sort of a bottom potentially here in a final flush in these grain markets. But uh, to your points, I mean, fundamentally here, it doesn't feel like we're quite there yet. And again, 
I could be wrong, but it just kind of has that feeling to me right now. Yeah, sometimes the charts will turn before you see the fundamental evidence, um, but we're still continuing to watch for it uh, anyway to see if we might be able to see a more sustained move. So far, we haven't been able to see that. What we're watching on the radar, so to speak, is weather in the winter corn crop growing areas of Brazil, as well as the corn and soybean growing areas of Argentina. So far, that's cooperating. We do see some more problems, though, as we get into late April and in excuse me, late March into April for Brazil's winter corn belt. Uh, Argentina overall looks like it's going to be good, but we're keeping our eyes on that winter corn crop in Brazil. Similar years, uh, probably 2018 was very similar, and we did see a short winter corn crop that year. Um, and so that is something to be monitored. If that happens, it could help boost U.S. exports in the year ahead, probably six months out before we'd see the benefit of those exports or longer. Um, but that's certainly something that we're keeping our eyes on. Outside markets looking fairly quiet uh, as well here on Tuesday. Crude has kind of been stuck around this $80 a barrel mark for quite a while now, it feels like to me. Any notes in the outside markets today, Arlen? The crude oil is kind of caught in here between geopolitical risks in the Middle East uh, with um, the fact that we still have soft demand and we have a lot of production capacity. It's currently being held off the market that could come back onto the market if the demand dictated it. Um, so that's a market right now that's primary concern is reading the headlines that we have in the Middle East as those headlines kind of cool down. Um, we don't see any stories or headlines of tankers being targeted by Houthi rebels out of Yemen. We tend to pull back, but when we get those headlines, we tend to fire up and buy once again. The overall trend continues to be higher in crude oil. The stock market overall continues to watch the data, economic data, durable goods orders this morning. We're very mixed message on the economy. Uh, and so now traders watching for the inflation data coming out in a couple of days to see if it too continues this trend of coming in hotter than expected. Real quick, livestock trade, kind of a quiet day there across cattle and hogs. Any notes on the proteins here today? Yeah, cattle market, hog market, both facing a little bit of pressure today, a little bit of profit taking. Both have had some good fundamental support beneath them, a tight supplies. Um, but on, on the cattle side, we have more near-term supplies and softening demand. So packer margins have been in the negative. Uh, so the chain speed continues to slow, and that's putting some pressure uh, on the cash market. The cash market continues to trend higher for the hogs, and we continue to move the product. So that's been good. However, a lot of that's been priced in. And as we get closer and trade around that $100 mark on those summer contracts, we're seeing some good margins with cheap corn prices and the, and the feeders. Uh, the producers are doing a lot of hedging the supplies. And once again, Arlen Suderman there, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, joined us for our midday commentary on the day Tuesday. And uh, again, this grain market, you know, a good day to celebrate on Monday, trying our best to follow through on Tuesday. But still, uh, like we were talking about with Arlen, fundamentals are not friendly to 
uh, much of this grain market trade. I'm hoping that the bleeding stops soon. I, I will be very, very honest and blunt about that. I know no one likes to see uh, cash corn prices in the threes again and soybeans down in the uh, tens and elevens. I, and nobody wants to see that. So I'm hoping that the bleeding stops here soon. But I also uh, am I'm a realist here and have you know, watch these markets for a long time now and heard from a lot of folks that uh, the bleeding may not be quite over. So uh, you got to be on your toes. You got to think about things and really uh, just pay attention. Watch it closely. We are going to think about that sentiment and we're going to get some thoughts on these markets in perspective with Jacob Burks from agmarket.net. He's already here in Houston getting set up for Commodity Classic this week and we are going to grab him and uh, get some time with him and thoughts on these markets on the way right after this. We'll be back with more here on Market Talk, live from Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas, right after the break. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, on Tuesday, we saw a grain market that tried to extend Monday's rally, but kind of settled back into mixed territory. Livestock trade uh, was mostly to the downside slightly as well. We're going to talk about all of that here today. Joining us live for a market conversation as we are kicking off our week at Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas. Jacob Burks with agmarket.net. Good well, to see you, buddy. How are you? It's good to be here. I didn't think I was going to make it, but here we are. I was going to say, you had a little <laughs> bit of plane trouble getting down here last night. Nothing, you know, nothing scary like going down or anything, but just delays, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, I made, uh, made a, you know, a quick little travel down here. I uh, made it a two-day event, so that was fun. Uh, <laughs> you know, that happens to the best of us. I'm surprised they let both of us into Houston. Well, you know what? We made it. I mean, at, <laughs> at one point, I thought I was going to have to do it myself, but uh, we, we found the pilots, and, and there we were. Well, uh, good to have you here. Thanks for joining me. For for uh, market talk today and and you know start of the week i was worried that these markets the grains were going to slip lower we got a nice little rally nice little short covering rally there tried to extend it though tuesday felt like we kind of ran out of gas towards the end of the day jacob yeah, I was very optimistic, uh, you know, early with the beans, especially, you know, I had a strong, I think, double digit higher at one point and then and backed off there throughout the day. You know, corn market, you look at it, uh, you know, a lot of the technical resistance that we had over the top of it, uh, you know, the, the new crop actually closed for the first time since the, you know, the, the end of January, mm -hmm. closed above that 10 day moving average, kind of rejected it in the front months of the corn and beans both. So you still have some strong technical resistance above this market right now. So, you know, we've talked a long time going through the first of the year about, how these rallies, these small rallies are going to get sold. Uh, there's just a lot of corn out there. I think we're still seeing some of that, uh, but I don't want to be doom and gloom right now. I mean, this is two days in a row of positive trade here uh, for the corn market, so let's celebrate something, Jesse. Come I on. was going to say, I mean, that makes what, like five <laughs> of five days out of the last month or so that corn's traded higher or something like that. I know it's some sure, yeah, crazy I, stat I like that. Charts, yeah. I'm probably right. wrong, but yeah, yeah, I mean, a little bit, of, little bit to celebrate here. I know, though, it's been a... It's been a tough conversation for many folks with basis contracts coming due. Yeah. We got the end of the month here in front of us. That's probably going to add some added volatility. Um, a lot of folks having to decide, do I roll into that May carry again here in this market or what? And I think a lot of funds really 
really kind of forced the hand of some folks here the past couple of days and, and forced some people maybe into some bad grain trades. At least I've been hearing some of that sure, talk sure. across the countryside. And, you know, that's what we've been preaching the whole time is you've got to look at your operation and say, okay, what do I have for value here? What is basis doing? Uh, yeah. The fear is, is as you see these little rallies and, and, and hopefully turn into a little bit more rally, the idea that the, the basis is going to follow it is probably probably incorrect. You probably need to be made, being paying attention to how can I take advantage of that basis. And when you do that, you know you're also seeing hey the the, the corn needs to get sold. You got to get cash in your hand. Again, uh, any any type of you know continued movement I, I suspect would still continue to be sold. Uh, you know to take advantage of that basis. And then you know you have to look at it. Do you think flat price is going to rally? And the the rally is going to happen with something fundamental has to spark. The, the funds to, to start selling out of their, you know, record short position that they have. And, and really the, the cards that you have dealt for us right now, maybe South America continues to see some dryness. Maybe you see some type yeah. of problem that we're trying to make it up right now and trying to create a, a fundamental problem uh, to create that, 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 that fund liquidation of their short position. And right now it, it's, you know, hopefully you can see a spark, maybe a spark and catch fire here. Yeah. Hopefully we can get some sort of spark because to your <laughs> point, I mean, fundamentally, I'm just I'm having a tough time finding some of those things. And I know that a lot of folks are looking for like that final flush out here in these markets to get us a bottom that we can build a base off of. I don't know, though. Was Friday it? I mean, (laughs) put put a three handle on front month corn. What was that it? Or I don't know. There was a lot of psychological things that happened, right? You you saw, you know, these farmers, they don't want to continue to kick the can down the road. They no, don't, you no. know, it's not that they don't have to pay 8% interest to all of them. Some of them are not, you know, going out and having to get operating notes, but they're also not getting 5% interest on their own money. So there's a point where they want to say, hey, let's turn this, 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 this bend into cash. Okay. And I think that's, you know, the right thing to do. So you come into that first notice day in March, you know, coming up here this week, there's a lot of these basis contracts that'll be done today. And, and so that, that sped up some of that liquidation. And, and, and no matter how you look at it, these, this grain market is going to have a really hard time rallying until we mm. get less control of the corn from the producers. And, and that's, that, that will eventually happen. Maybe that was the, the flush out. Maybe there was more, you know, we'll see, you know, come uh, Friday with the commitment traders report, see what the fund position is actually doing here in this type of little move up. So we'll see. Well, and to your point as well, I've seen some comments on the Market Talk YouTube channel lately and on our social media. There's some folks who are on the opposite end of the spectrum. They listened and they sold corn at, sure. you know, five fifty six seven in some cases. And so I know that not everyone's in a dire spot. Some folks are sitting back and, and I don't want to say laughing, but, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're looking at a much better position right now. And they could afford to hang on to some of this grain for mm-hmm. a while longer. And I think that's at part of the root of what you're talking about is that, there's just a lot of corn out there that hasn't moved to town quite yet, Jacob. Right. There's a lot of hedged corn out there too. You know that, that, yeah. that doesn't have to leave. And and what you're talking about, we we spend a lot of time, you know, talking to producers this this you know whole marketing season, whole winter season, and, and that's kind of been the tune of like we hope that you followed some of the recommendations that we actually yeah. said and, and had some hedges uh, in place and had the good marketing opportunity because when you boil it all down, it doesn't matter where the corn price is. It's all about that profitability. Where are you at on your operation as far as is you're, if you're selling above your break-even cost, that lowers what the, what you have to have to to meet that that same goal. So, you know, there's been some corn that's been able to let go here with no you know no regard to it because they've had a, done a good job of marketing uh, as we went along through the marketing season. On the new crop side, if folks haven't started a lot of new crop 24 marketing, I mean 460 corn, give or take. 
doesn't feel like a terrible place to start, but again, I, it comes back to, you know, what's your cost of production? Sure. What's your break even, right? Absolutely. And, you know, you're setting some targets out there right now. Uh, you know, we're looking at a lot of different break evens, and, you know, 450 seems to catch a little bit of it, but you can catch some $5 break evens that are legitimate, you know, concerns that how are we going to get that profitable? And maybe, you know, maybe you're not. You know, so I think using some of these flexible strategies, you know, meaning buy some put options and, and look for some better opportunities later. And that will, you know, draw the attention to the fact that. The, the December corn closed above the 10-day moving average. That's been a big hurdle for this corn market. Mm-hmm. So finally closing above that level tells me, hey, I don't want to sell right here, but I would look at putting a, a floor in here in case we go back down to those comfortable levels or in, the, in that same trend that we've been in for the last three months uh, and, and put some floors in to say, hey, can this thing spark something? Can we get something acreage battle start talking as we go through the month of March and get some type of seasonal spring rally here? Let's talk soybeans, and I'm a little more concerned about soybeans because I feel like this bean market either it doesn't like 10 or it doesn't like 11. It either <laughs> wants to be in the 10s or in the 12s, and I feel like you know we kind of lost some of our strength on the sure. day on Tuesday. That rally that started off really well didn't hold. So, I mean, what's your take in this soybean market right now? Well, first of all, you did have a spread. You, you saw both the old crop and new crop go up and test that overhead resistance, mainly that 10-day moving average, and get rejected by that that rebound. Uh, but you look at the the front months. You know, we did close negative. We did close positive actually in the in the back months. Uh, Fundamentally, you look at it, we were building a hopeful rally off of the South American weather. And as that turned better and as you're seeing harvest go fast, maybe not as quality, maybe not as good yields as what we're hearing, you know, out of the South American uh, Brazil areas that, that we're seeing come in early. Uh, but uh, inevitably, you still have that production problem where, where we didn't have as big of a problem, you know, we think yet in, in South America uh, to, to spark that, that solid move. So I do still think there's some pressure in the bean market. Well, I'm thinking, too, about new crop beans, Jacob. What are some things that uh, folks need to think about there right now? I mean, so like, you know, you're trading, I think we settled at 1130 here today. Uh, you still have an $11 price. Uh, most, of the, most of the producers that we're working through are still at a, you know, a rather profitable, uh, have some opportunities to have profit in, in new crop. Uh, I think that you still want to lay some floors in there because as you go through there, you know, you still have a wide guess as far as what the, the South American production is going to be. I think I saw the, you know, agriculture came out as, uh, you know, 147 or something, something below like, that, you know, yeah, close to that, almost 10, but 10 million metric tons below what the USDA hasn't pegged at right now. So there's still that opportunity that when we get in, we don't have as much. We saw a flash sale today out of, uh, out of China or out of, excuse me, unknown. And so that was something that surprised <laughs> the, the, the market. I didn't say that, right? So, uh, that surprised the market a little bit too, that there's still some hope. Maybe that goes into some of their, uh, stock building or whatever that was kind of a, a head scratcher, but you know you're, you're hearing rumors that PNW is starting to build inventory out there. Like there's some some scuttlebutt that that they could have some sales out out of the PNW. So there is some optimism. Uh, you know that's why I don't want to get heavily sold here. Uh, but I look at there. You, I think from a fiscal reason, it's smart to go ahead and lay some some protection underneath this market because, like you said, we don't like being at 11. Uh, we could be down. We could be single digits if if you know we come out with a a big, bigger acreage number than expected or something of that sort. Yeah, and, and to the point about China, too, you know, a lot of talk, they're buying Brazilian beans here, mm-hmm. a lot of talk of cargoes making their way there, and, and talk of Brazilian cargoes making it to the U.S. Mm-hmm. as well. So, sure. I mean, just you look overall at some of those things, and it's it, it makes you pause a little bit, I think, in the soybean sure. market right now. Yeah, I mean, you, you, we're building a lot of our hope and optimism for next year's crop going into 2024 and then 2025 on yeah. the whole biodiesel, uh, excuse me, the uh, renewable diesel situation. And what we're what we're seeing, 
you know, with the, the plants that are that are being built and being the expansion being hoped for. Uh, so you, you look at that, the domestic crush has got to continue to stay strong. But when you see the products like Mill back off another five bucks today, you know, it, it dampers that rally and that expectations. But I think that going forward, when you look at the, the acreage battle that could be going, taking place, I mean, you hope that there's some optimism, uh, continued push uh, with some of, the, some of the tax credit situations and, and how we encourage this, this growth to, to continue. All right, we'll be back with Jacob Burks here on Market Talk right after the break. Stay up to date and listen to past episodes online at markettalkag.com. Now, back to Market Talk with Jesse Allen. We are talking with Jacob Burks from agmarket.net here today on Market Talk. Uh, Jacob, let's talk to wheat markets real quick and then we'll get to livestock. Sure. Casey Wheat's kind of been the leader here. I'm hearing trade chatter that some folks are worried about how warm it is in the plains, and that's part of the reasoning here. I guess I haven't found anything else uh, better to tell me why Kansas City Wheat, for instance, you know, had a nice uh, kind of key reversal there on sure. Monday. I mean, what are you hearing in this wheat market right now? Well, I, I do think that the wheat market has got some spark. I think most of the, the spark in wheat in general is coming from the, the the Russia sanctions that are being put on. That hopefully there's a large amount of wheat over there, like record crops, record exports expected out of Russia, uh, that, that maybe you're not going to get to reach some of the. The, the desired uh, destinations for that wheat. And if that happens, you know, if that continues to happen, maybe that is something that keeps a, just a tighter amount of available supply on the world market. Uh, but yeah, I think that you're, you're, first of all, I think the Kansas City wheat probably got beat up a little bit too much in a downward move. And so, you, you know, you saw the, the high premium of soft red wheat over KC wheat. I think that's a lot of that, a lot of what's going on right now is the reason, you know, KC wheat's over Chicago is just some of that spread trading back, liquidating some of those long Chicago short wheat, uh, Kansas City wheat spreads. Well, and of course, too, you know, wheat very dependent on those world markets and sure. cheap Russian values and the dollar. Dollar's kind of gone sideways here a little bit, too. So maybe that's sure. helping out our wheat markets a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we're still not as competitive. I mean, the, the world market is just, you know, it beats us up. We're always going to be that that world supply, the world's yeah. reserve of wheat. Uh, but, you know, you get into maybe some optimism in China. We've seen a lot of optimism in China coming over and, and purchasing some wheat uh, this winter. So, uh, you know, maybe we just find our way back in the market with, with, for whatever reason it is. But uh, there, there's still some possibilities that we could see, you know, a, a good chunk of that business come to us if uh, the, you know, if the, if the bread basket of the world continues to see some some problems there. All right, let's talk livestock, cattle. Uh, you know, you're, we're in Houston, Houston rodeo going on. I know you're an old rodeo guy, so let's get into your wheelhouse here a little bit more. Uh, cattle on feed last Friday, sure. fairly as expected. I know a lot of people looking at that placement number and asking, you know, how come it wasn't as low as we all thought it was going to be. Um, felt like the market though quickly digested it and has already kind of moved on. Do you agree with that? I, I would agree with it. I mean, you saw that the, the, the cattle on feed number did exactly what we expected in one way of saying, hey, we don't have as much cattle out there. You know, inventories are tight. And, and this beef market, this cattle market, I mean, it, it boils down to one thing, in my opinion, if people are going to continue to buy it or not. Uh, the demand picture of, of you know, how uh, we've stayed very, very comfortable above 290 and, and a lot of time this year over 300 in, in, in the box beef. And so now we're back over that. I think we're 302 this morning. Catalan feed report saying that we have 7%. We didn't meet the, the 8%, I think that was uh, the estimates estimates going into that Catalan feed report. But still, mm-hmm. we're seven, you know, a placement 7% less. I mean, those numbers are going to continue to get lighter out, out into the fall. Uh, you saw there's going to be some catch up in there with the, you know, the weights, that the, the, the one 
really the one or two weeks of winter that we had this year, but did yeah. a number did a number on on the cattle inventory. Uh, but I think as you continue to go forward, you're starting to see the kill. You know, the the the, the leverage kind of went back into the feeders' hands, uh, where we saw some weights pull back a little bit. Uh, the box beef is staying up. You know, hopefully the box beef does step, so the per, the packers can make some money, so we can continue this uh, this cash cattle run. Well, and to your point about you know demand here, I think domestically, I mean, if prices keep going up or we start to retain heifers, we start to pull this uh, this cattle herd in even more. I mean, you know, what could that do? I'm I'm crystal ball in here, third <laughs> quarter, fourth quarter. You know, I mean, we've said this before on this show. That if someone wants a steak, they're going to buy a steak. Yeah. But at what point do they say, "Hey, I'm not paying, you know, twenty some dollars for a a eight ounce, you know, New York strip or something like that"? I mean, it's sure. At what point do we reach that level where en- enough's enough for the consumer? I think that's going to be a big point of discussion here. You just year. opened up. You just opened up a can of worms that we could talk about for the next, <laughs> you know, next two hours. You know, the rest of the commodity classic. When you look at what's available in, in, in the in the consumer's pocket, and if you look at what's going on as far as are, are we in a recession, are we not in a recession, and you start looking yeah. at the economics of, of where we're at domestically, I mean, you got wage inflation that still has yet to slow down. You still have that uh, the, the consumer that is still making decent money. The unemployment is not slowed down. So when they walk out there, yeah, they might not like paying ten dollars extra, but it's just ten bucks. They're going out anyway. Like it's 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 not as it hasn't been as big a shock when you go out into the restaurants. I mean, we're down here in Houston. That you you still stand in line to get a to get a table, and, and so mm-hmm. like and, and they're they're eating steak down here in Texas. So uh, I, I don't know that the demand really slows down yet. Uh, you, you know, the, the pork and, and, and the, the beef have been very good complementary products to that. They're continuing to rally. They both have some high values, and that's been great for both producers. Well, and to your point about pork side, I mean, cattle, I feel like, have been helping pull hogs a little higher. Sure. $100 summer hogs? Yeah. Where did that come from all of a sudden, <laughs> Jacob? You know, I don't know. That's the, the continued, you know, inflationary, you know, it's not really falling out of the the. the livestock side you know yeah. quite like it has in the grains and so the other thing that's helped is that we do have four dollar beef and we do have you know cheaper meal so that's that's helped the producer to to you know to be able to to make some money on this and and, and take this and, and have some profitability well thinking about this livestock market as a whole i think in both cases here i i could throw hogs in with cattle now i feel like from a hedging standpoint here things like that Folks can lock in some floors probably at this juncture if they haven't done so already and, you know, <laughs> listen to some maybe some advice from, from someone who's smarter than me <laughs> we, and, and we'll take find, advantage. We'll see if we can find that guy, right? <laughs> no, I, I, and all that I just said about how strong demand is and, and that's why we've stayed strong and the cattle market stays strong is what if it's not? And, yep. uh, and I think that it doesn't take uh, – you know, a rocket scientist to, to look back in history to see a swap of a pen or something that, that affects the, you know, the demand side, uh, crude oil and, and staying strong, you know, the stock market taking a dive. But you've seen the stock market make highs and you've seen the, the commodities start to make lows. And a lot of that, the reason you see stocks and companies making those highs is because they've had cheaper cost. And so that's kind of the, the rubber band's gotten stretched pretty good. So that at any time could come back together. And then all of a sudden you have a falling stock market. You have certain problems economically, and that could ruin that demand. But back to your real question of what does the producer do about it? How do you handle this? 
there are so many tools out there right now, whether you're looking at some of the LRP, the insurance uh, pr products that, that, that do a good job of putting a floor in the market, or you're looking at just going out there and getting some hedges in. I mean, looking at the, the value that you have right now, I mean, mm -hmm. we learned in the, in the corn market, when you see ample opportunity, it's very wise to do something to take advantage of what's sitting in your hands right now. And I, I can't you know, say enough that you look out into the fall and if you've got calves that are going to be sold out there and look at the profitability that you have, there are some really good ways to, to put a floor in there to, and leave your upside you know, still intact. Jacob, final thoughts as we wrap it up here uh, from Commodity Classic. What do you want folks to remember in this window? I kind of, I'll leave it open-ended for you. What do you want to reiterate to folks as they're taking a hard look at their marketing plans here right now? Well, first of all, I hope this Commodity Classic turns the, the pattern around and we actually have a rally during Commodity Classic. Seems like every time we're at Commodity Classic, we see a That a would help the mood out, I'm sure. Would, <laughs> so far, so good, but we got a few it days to go yet. It hasn't started yet, Jess. Yeah. We don't know if it's yeah. good yet or not. Yeah. So uh, what, you know, one thing that I would say is right now, profitability is not staring you in the face like you saw for the last couple of years in the grains. Okay. It's, it's not just easy to market grain, if you will. Uh, you're going to have to be look at being creative. You're going to have to look at, you know, making sure that you, you your, your losses may not be, you may be cutting, you know, minimized, I guess, and, and leave your top side open. So, so learning how to structure some of those, uh, those strategies and those plans, how to put something together with the crop insurance that you're looking at buying right now. Uh, but on the cattle side, too, I mean, there's going to be some cattle producers down here. Uh, I, I think that it's uh, uh, very, very adamant that it's time to go out there and get something done, get something locked in, yeah. and just take advantage of what, what we've been given here. Because I do believe that the future is bright for cattle and livestock, that we can still continue to see a rally. But, man, it's something that you, you don't want to sit here and look a gift horse in the mouth. Well, I know if folks have questions, they can reach out to you guys, the whole team at agmarket.net. I know, too, you're helping develop a revamped app as yeah. well. You guys got a lot of resources available sure. uh, online for folks or with a phone call, don't you? Absolutely. Jacob? We talk a lot about profitability. This app that we have is something that can show you the profitability or lack thereof. You know, sometimes I yeah. mean, it's, it shows it there. But, yeah, just check us out at agmarket.net. We'd love to chat. Jacob Burks, appreciate the time, buddy. Thanks for joining me here as we get ready for Commodity Classic this week. Thanks so much. All right, bud. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Good stuff. Once again, Jacob Burks there with agmarket.net joining us here for a market conversation as we are gearing up for Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas going on this week here and uh, already here in Houston as we're getting ready for the show. Technically going to kick off here on Wednesday and uh, we'll be broadcasting Market Talk Live Thursday and Friday as well. Good reminder, 7405 with the National Corn Growers Association. That is their booth number on the third floor of the trade show. Show. Again, 7405 Commodity Classic, Thursday and Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time. We will be broadcasting Market Talk Live, talking sustainable aviation fuel, other uses for corn as a feedstock, and much more. Looking forward to some great conversations over the next uh, couple of days here at Commodity Classic, no doubt. All right, let's take a look at uh, wrapping up a little bit of the uh, market trade action on the day Tuesday. And again, uh, the quarter bean rally kind of faded. March corn was up one and a quarter, 408 and a quarter. July corn up two and a quarter, 436. December new crop corn, that was up three at 460. March beans down four and three quarters, 1131 and a quarter. July down three and three quarters, 1151 and a half. November beans were unchanged at 1129 at three quarters. Soybean meal for March, that was down 660 a ton, 327.80. March bean oil up 51 points, 44.91 on the day. Tuesday, 
Meantime, in wheat, March Chicago wheat up eight and three quarters, 586. July up nine and a quarter, 586 and a quarter. March Kansas City wheat up nine and three quarters, 593 and a half. July was up nine and three quarters, 576 and a quarter. March spring wheat up 10 and a half, 658 and three quarters. July up eight and three quarters, 666 and a half. Livestock, April hogs down 37, 85, 90. May down 37 at 90, 37. March feeders down 5, 253. April up 5, 258.95. February live cattle down 12, 185.60. April down 37, 187.72. That's a recap of Tuesday's closing market action. All right, coming up next, we are going to take a look at some news headlines and wrap things up here from Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas. That's all the way right after this here on Market Talk. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk. Thanks for joining us here again today. Sticking with us as we continue live from Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas. And a reminder, our program uh, coming up Thursday and Friday is going to be with the National Corn Growers Association. Their booth, 7405 on the third floor of the trade show. We're going to uh, be talking with the NCGA and folks with the Market Development Action Team and some of their partners across the uh, animal ag side and more. Uh, really looking forward to great conversations. We're going to talk sustainable aviation fuel potential and more. And of course, we're going to talk markets. That is all coming up here this week, Thursday and Friday at Commodity Classic here in Houston, booth 7405 from 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time. Make sure if you are going to be a Commodity Classic, swing on by, say hi. I would love to meet you, love to see you there. Uh, AOA as well, the uh, morning program that I host, Agriculture America. We're going to be doing that show live Thursday morning with our friends at AGI from their booth on the trade show floor. And uh, that's going to be a great show as well. We're going to talk with AGI and just get some thoughts about what they are uh, continuing to keep an eye on uh, in terms of new equipment and grain bin safety. We're going to have a little bit of education as well uh, during the program there. So again, that's the uh, Agriculture of America program. And that's going to be on Thursday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central Time here at Commodity Classic. That booth, 3403 on the first floor of the trade show. So hopefully you can stop by and say hi to me there. Man, and two different levels of this trade show. Uh, absolutely just crazy how big this show is. So that is, uh, that is definitely something to uh, check out if you're going to be here in Houston, and we're going to uh, get a first-hand look at it here all this week as well. All right, let's take a look at some news headlines. Kettle and calves on feed for the slaughter market in the U.S. for feedlots with capacity of 1,000 or more head, total 11.8 million head on February 1. Oklahoma State University Extension Livestock Market Economist Dr. Daryl Peel believes the February USDA cattle on feed reports an indicator of smaller feedlot inventories ahead for the foreseeable future. So this uh, February cattle on feed report had uh, placements in January down about 7% from a year ago. Marketings in January were just even with a year ago. And the uh, that leaves us with an on-feed total for February 1 that's just a smidge higher than a year ago. So call it even uh, 100% of one year ago. 
Well, Dr. Peel says the report did come in as the trade expected, although the placement number was higher than the higher trade guess of 12%, fewer placements than a year ago. The actual drop was 7%. Starting last fall, we had uh, three or four months of big placements, pulled the numbers back above year-ago levels, but that was a short-term thing. I think that was a function of drought conditions and high market prices that encouraged people to sell, uh, but the, the fact of the matter is the tighter numbers and the overall inventory situation says that these feedlot inventories are going to come down, and we're starting to see that now. Peel adds that we have arrived at a point where the feedlot numbers will tighten up. From my perspective, it's been uh, several months longer to get here than I thought, but I do think we are here now where we will continue to see these numbers tighten up appreciably, and I really expect to see these feedlot inventories operate below year earlier levels now for the foreseeable future going forward. We're liable to pull these total feedlot inventories down, at least on an average basis, probably another you know million-plus head in the next few months. Well, tight feedlot supplies ahead suggests that there will be incentives in the market for the rebuilding of the U.S. beef cow herd. Peel believes interest will start picking up to add beef cows back into the herd here in 2024, assuming weather will allow adequate forage supplies to be available across the heart of cattle country. While looking at priorities for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and the cattle industry, the latest farm sector to weigh in on its priorities for a still elusive farm bill, National Cattlemen's Policy Division Chair Kim Brackett says NCBA's top priority is the farm bill. But the question is, is that actually going to happen this year? That's uh, in my crystal ball. I'm not sure that it is, but we'll certainly want to keep um, working on that. Echoing the sentiment and predictions of other farm and ranch groups over the continuing farm bill policy and funding disagreements. But should there be a farm bill breakthrough, Brackett tells NCBA's Beltway Beef podcast, the group has several specific priorities. Making sure that FMD will continue to be funded, vaccine will continue to be funded in that, making sure we don't have a livestock title, and making sure that there are dollars available for those voluntary conservation programs that uh, our membership does utilize that's funded in the Farm Bill. Conservation programs like EQIP made up 7% or $60 billion of the last Farm Bill. Bracket Meantime says the cattle industry will continue to push back against animal rights activists and government agency overregulation. Whether that's, you know, the BLM landscape health and conservation rule, it's increasing Endangered Species Act regulation. But for now, agriculture continues to operate under the outdated 2018 farm law extended through September 30th with farm bill disagreements complicated by external fights over spending, immigration, and foreign policy. And we have that potential of a government shutdown looming here at the end of the week. And also here on today's program, unmanned aircraft systems or drones could pose a significant risk to critical infrastructure and U.S. national security, specifically from those made in China. According to a January threat assessment by the FBI and Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Basically, Chinese companies' data belongs to the Chinese government is what, in essence, the laws in China say. That's Doug Jacobson. He's director of the Iowa State University Center for Cybersecurity Innovation and Outreach and speaks with farmers dealing with threats online. SAG is one of the 16 critical infrastructures, and I would agree it's probably one of the most critical ones. And critical infrastructure managers are specifically who the FBI announced this warning for. Three laws in China passed within the last decade require its companies to provide collected data and pose strict penalties 
on non-compliance and demands cyber vulnerabilities be disclosed with the government before sharing overseas. The FBI says the last one could let China exploit flaws before they're known. Jacobson says there's really two issues with a drone. There's the app you have on typically on your phone, but maybe on a laptop. That app is collecting data, especially on your phone. It's collecting all sorts of, of data from your phone. And then the drone itself it's out there taking pictures, and so that data that the drone is collecting is also data that could be used by the Chinese government. And without mitigations in place, the widespread deployment of Chinese manufactured drones in key U.S. sectors is a national security concern, according to the FBI. We're out of time here on Market Talk today. Thanks again to Jacob Burks from agmarket.net for joining us here as we are kicking off our week in Houston, Texas for Commodity Classic. Coming up on tomorrow's program, we'll catch up with Mike Zuzalo and have coverage, more coverage of Commodity Classic here in Houston, Texas. I'm Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening to Market Talk.